Well, this morning uh, we're kicking off a new series that we're calling Why Worship? Now, some of us are here this morning and we may be fairly new to the faith. Uh, we may call ourselves baby Christians or something like that. And some of us are here and we're not even sure if we believe it all. We're just not sure. And then the question of, well, why are we here? The answer is a little difficult for us to figure out. And, and quite frankly, some of us in this room, we have followed Jesus for a long, long time. And we have come to worship week after week after week. And the, the answer to the question, why are we here, even for some of us, might be a little difficult to answer. So why do we worship? And, and all the things that happen in this space on, on a Sunday morning, well, why those things too? Like, why do we sing songs every week? And, and why do we sing the songs that we sing every single week? And, and why do we read God's word every single week in this room and we even stand for it? Why do we do that? And why do we have an offering every week? And why is it that the pastors talk for so long on Sundays? Hopefully only a couple of you are actually asking that question, but and why is it that at the end of every single time of worship, we close with a blessing? Why? Now, we do a lot of things in this room during worship, and perhaps surprisingly for us, nearly everything that we do in this room, we do with a specific purpose. It has a reason. And so throughout this uh, short series we're calling Why Worship, we want to talk about these things. Why worship? And in this series, we actually have a, a theme verse that we'll be revisiting every week as well. It's Psalm 96, 7 through 9, um, and we're actually using the NLT version. Just we, we like the way that it reads. Let me read it for you this morning. Uh, o nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. If you're up for a challenge for the next couple of weeks, the challenge would be memorize this. Memorize Psalm 96, 7 through 9. Maybe each week pick a verse and memorize that one, and by the end you'll have the whole thing memorized if you're up for the challenge. Now, this morning what we're going to do first is we're going to take sort of a 10,000 foot view look at worship. The, the big why question. Why are we here and why do we do the things we do? And secondly, and I'm really excited about this this morning, is we're going to invite our worship directors up and they're going to chat with us about some of the specifics of our worship. It will be a really great conversation. Um, but first, before we get there, let's get to our scripture reading this morning. That is uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And Sadie Visser has graciously volunteered to read for us this morning. So Sadie, please head on up when you're ready. And what we do here, you already know this, we uh, stand and, and we face the scripture as it is read. And we do so because we believe the Bible is the most important book in our lives, namely because it tells us the story of Jesus. So go ahead, Sadie, when you're ready. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 
and God raised us up in Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you, Sadie. You may be seated. So I, this is going to sound strange, but I think in order to talk about worship this morning, I think we first need to talk about ourselves for a second, people, humans, because there's a couple things about ourselves that make worship vital, and we need to know what those things are. And let me start with an obvious. Are you ready for this? This can be mind-blowing. Our lives are incredibly busy. Amen? Many of us get up in the morning, and we are like a spinning top until our head hits the pillow at the end of the night, right? We go, and we go, and we go, and go, and go from overworks to overparenting to barely sleeping, right? And busyness gives us a sort of tunnel vision. You know, when we are so focused on simply making it through the busyness of our day, the big picture questions of our life tends to fall off our radar. In essence, we are too busy with the details in our lives to ask the big questions about our lives. Like, what is the point of us even being here this morning? Like, what is the aim of each of our lives. If there is a God in the world, what might that God envision for our lives? What is our calling from God? See, our problem is that we are distracted by our busyness. All the busyness in our lives actually distracts us from the big questions of our lives. And, and there's a second thing. There's busyness, and then there's this other thing. We are meaning-minded creatures. We crave meaning in our lives. And the scoop is our lives don't often feel all that meaningful, do they? You know, I don't know what your day looks like, but I'm guessing it's probably something like mine. And mine's like this. It's like waking up in the morning and then showering and then making sure the kids get ready and then eating breakfast and feeding the kids breakfast and then going to work. And then from work I come home and usually it involves uh, kind of carting the kids around the city for sports or whatever it may be. Then we get home just in time for a quick dinner and then we put the kids to bed quickly, which I say that's just, you know, some wisdom for me to you if you don't do that. Put the kids to bed quickly, and then usually I end up in my bed watching Seinfeld, and then I fall asleep watching Seinfeld. Then like 20 minutes later, I wake up and Seinfeld's still on, and I have to turn it off and then actually go to sleep for the night. Anyone resonating with this? And here's the thing. I do this every single day on repeat, over and over and over, day after day after day. That is what my life tends to look like. 
in this pattern often feels quite ordinary or regular, and with ordinary often comes a lack of meaning. And we crave meaning, don't we? We want our lives to mean something, don't we? You know, when we die, we want to have a legacy where our family looks back on our lives and sees all that we contributed to the world, and they are proud of us because we lived a meaningful life, don't we? You know, on the screen, there's going to be a picture. This is a picture of Petra, um, the, the famous site in Jordan. I was there just uh, over a year ago. And uh, this is the treasury building. And it's funny because it's actually, it never was a treasury. It was probably a tomb. In this area, I wish what we could do is I could take the camera and just kind of turn to the right. Because if you looked to the right, you would see like hundreds of these things. Everywhere you looked, big ones and small ones and worn away ones and newish looking ones, everywhere you looked, there'd be tons of those tombs. And the purpose of such a tomb was to mark a family or an individual's status or worth. And the bigger, nicer one, you know, it meant that you really had it together, right? And, and these people built these tombs for themselves because they wanted their later family to know that they had a meaningful life, that they really nailed it in their lives. We crave a legacy of meaning too, don't we? So in other words, we are distracted by our busyness and we crave meaning in our lives. And you see, we come to this space week after week to remedy these things. In the midst of our distraction, worship helps us to remember. Worship helps us find our ordinary lives once again in God's extraordinary story. And more particularly, worship helps us remember the good news of Jesus, that the Jesus story is a true story for our lives, and that we are somehow caught up in that story in our lives, and that we truly believe that something did happen at the cross, and it was something very real, and because of that, it changes every aspect of our lives, that we believe that. It changes our purpose and aim for our lives. It changes the metrics for how we determine what a life well lived looks like. In, in other words, worship is a redundant reminder. Now, if you're in business, redundancy is a bad thing. But in this place, it's a good thing. Week after week after week, we need to be reminded that we are not our job titles, that our value is not found in what we do or what others think about us or even how we feel about ourselves, but our value is found in God, that God is actually involved in this world, that God is interested in each of our lives and has a divine calling for each of our lives. Amen? You know, our scripture reading this morning is uh, from Ephesians, and it's really the big picture of God's story and how we relate to it. And, it, and the story goes something like, uh, sometime in our lives we were in trouble. You know, we were trapped in like the mud and mire of, of sin, and in some sense we were the bad guys in God's story, to the point where Paul feels very comfortable to say, uh, yeah, we deserve wrath as people. 
But despite our fallen condition, a God who is full of love breaks into our sinful stories and saves us. And God's saving was not according to anything we could have done at all. We didn't choose God. God chose to save us because he loved us. And there is nothing we can do to fall out of God's loving grace. We can't mess it up. It's all God's gift. And the kicker to this story is that God saved us not simply to be thankful, though we should be thankful. And we'll probably talk about that in a couple of weeks. But God saved us so that he could equip us to go back out into God's world and do God's good works that he prepared beforehand for us to do. You see, this is the story. This is the true story of the whole world. And guys, this is the story we often forget. We need a redundant reminder. We need to remember often. And that is why coming to this place matters. And coming often to this place matters because we simply forget. And so from our call to worship to our final blessing on Sunday mornings, we are being reminded of the big, incredible, meaning-filled story that God invites each of us to be a part of. Amen? Now, here comes the fun part for me, is I get to invite Lorianne and Ryan up, who are our worship directors. And so what, what we wanted to do this morning is we wanted to spend some time with them and, and really hear their voice on a couple specifics of, of just what happens in this room on Sunday mornings. And let me just say this before they come up. We are so blessed here at TFRC to be able to have two worship leaders that think about worship with us all the time. It's really their job to do that and then to lead us in worship as well. And so uh, what I'm going to do now is invite Lorianne and Ryan up. Now, uh, there's two things that they really wanted to talk about with us this morning, um, and they're the two first things really we do in this room every single Sunday. Um, the first is called the call to worship, and the other is just the singing part, the music piece. And, you know, if you're newer around here and you maybe have not heard the term call to worship before, basically what that is is at the beginning of each of us, right before we sing, um, something happens, whether uh, we read a psalm or uh, we admonish and we get excited up here and say, guys, let's worship God together. Um, that's called a call to worship. Um, now, Lorian and Ryan, why do we do this thing called to the call to worship every single week? Uh, well, I think the, the first thing to, to realize when we talk about the call to worship is we're actually not being called by the worship leader or by the pastor or by some guy who just invented it some time ago. Uh, we're actually being called by God into his presence. Um, the one hour that we get together uh, each week is ordained by God, and he's calling us together out of our busyness, as Pastor John talked about, to spend time together with him and with one another. Uh, we're all coming here with our own distractions, and so the call to worship is, is, is really just intended to get us all aligned um, with our hearts and with our minds. Uh, hopefully, it actually, our, our prayer is that that actually starts to happen on the way here. Ecclesiastes 5.1 actually states, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. So our, our steps need to be guarded when we come here. So we want to get, we, our, our hope and our prayer is that you actually start getting your minds and your hearts uh, focused on God before you even get here. 
Um, but assuming that we have willing hearts when we get here, we still need to kind of bring them all together, and that's, that's again what the call to worship helps us do. The Bible never talks about the church as individuals, it only as a united body. And after a week of going a thousand different directions, right, uh, we need time to bring our hearts and minds together. Ephesians 4, 3 and 4 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. So we'll read a scripture passage uh, or watch a video or just simply listen to the worship leader exhorting us to lift our hearts to the Lord. And then we can enter his courts as a united body. Uh, there's unity, there's also humility. Uh, the God that we worship desires humility. Um, we actually can look at scripture that exalts God and it kind of helps put us in our place. Um, and the theologian A.W. Tozer actually wrote this, worship is to feel in the heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe. Worship will humble a person as nothing else can, and there must be humility in the heart before there can be worship. Uh, there's also uh, the Word of God. We need to be prepared to hear the Word of God uh, taught uh, or and read from the center here, and the call to worship can help us with that too. Uh, think about it. When you sit down uh, with, a, with an old friend uh, to talk about some you know, nitty-gritty thing that's going on in your life or their life, you still take time to, to, to catch up and get on, on, on again that same page. I was in Minnesota last June and, and a pastor friend of mine from there texted me and said he wanted to get together for coffee. Turns out he had been battling depression uh, and knew that I had battled depression uh, on, my, on my own a, a few years ago. And he just wanted to talk about what that looked like for me, what it looked like for our family, how we moved beyond it and all of that. Um, so we got together for coffee, but we didn't just, you know, dive right into talking about depression and what it means for a pastor or for a child of God. We spent time uh, catching up. We hadn't spoken to each other in, in a couple of years other than social media, and, and we needed that time just to, to, to build up that trust again of, yeah, we can talk about this and, and all of that. So uh, again, the call to worship can help us just get on the same page with God that here we are, uh, our relationship is strengthened. Um, the, like I said, God has invited us to worship Him, right? We are here, we are called to worship by God. Uh, and, and I think one of the things that I struggle with and I know other people struggle with is just what's our response to that? If, if we have been invited by God, our response should be joy. Uh, we are encountering uh, the living God the, the one and only true living God, and we get to encounter him every week at his invitation. And, and I don't know about you, but when I'm invited by somebody that I admire, I get really excited about it. Yeah, me too. This is one of those most important parts of the service for me. Even as one of the people who helps plan this, the time that we gather, I need that time to just say, this is what we're here for. This is our purpose. This is why we've gathered together to um, lift up our voices to God and, and to worship Him. So let's talk a minute about how it would be different if each and every one of us prioritized preparing our hearts. First, I think um, we need to come expecting an encounter. Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? I love that imagery of a deer panting for water, longing for God. And as the psalmist says, he, his heart is in that place, is ours. You mentioned being excited about an invitation and, and God gives that, us that every single morning. 
but we need to come here anticipating that encounter with him so that we can drink deeply from his word and worship him. What if also we came with a thankful heart? It's Thanksgiving, right? It's November, so we're thankful, like right now, but are we each and every single week that we come into this place? Um, Psalm 100 verse four says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. It's because of who he is and what he's done that we come with thankful hearts, filled with gratitude for all that he is and all that he's done in each of our lives and in our lives as a church community. What if we prioritized aligning our hearts with God? Psalm 119 verse 10 says, with my whole heart I have sought you. With my whole heart. Let's look back to those words from Come Thou Fount that we just sang during the offering. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I don't know about you, but that's me. Prone to wander from God. Prone to be so busy and distracted that I need to just come before him and offer him my heart. Surrender all that I am to him again so that I can be ready to really praise him for who he is. There's one Sunday one Sunday every year that I think we as a worshiping community come so expectant for an encounter with God, so ready to celebrate and so ready to worship. Do you know what Sunday that is? Easter, <laughs> exactly. Isn't that crazy? I've been thinking about that this week. What makes Easter so special? It's because of the story. But isn't that the story that we come to worship him for every single week? We come because of the power of the resurrection and the joy of knowing that God has been faithful. We've seen his hand at work in our lives and we wanna set our eyes and our hearts on him. So that's why we gather and we can anticipate um, just amazing things if we come ready to worship. So we do a call to worship every week and, it, and it's in different forms. It can be a psalm or a, or a prayer or um, an exhortation or even a song. Uh, how are we supposed to interact with that weekly? What does that look like? Uh, I think one of the things that, that is very simple to do but, but is so helpful is just to take a moment and whether it's uh, right after we introduce ourselves and say good morning uh, or as, as we're doing the call to worship, but really just close your eyes and, and just ask God to to take away those distractions from the week or from the morning or whatever it is uh, to help clear your mind and, and so you can really focus your, your mind and heart upwards towards Him. Um, another thing that, that I would recommend and I like doing uh, is if it is a scripture passage, if it's a psalm or, or whatever it is, that you read it like the words that really mean something because it's scripture and it really does mean something and to, to read it so it's not just monotone but, but read it like, it like you're really bringing it into your heart. Mm. And it's a conscious effort. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we can just do. We just, we have to focus and think about it. Um, we're teaching a class on worship on Wednesday nights and this past week, uh, we were talking about this exact thing about corporate worship and what it means, to, what it looks like to come before God. And Christine Walker shared with us that she feels like, you know, our culture champions multitasking. 
our culture champions multitasking. And we think we can do everything, like, like lots of stuff all at the same time. But can we really? Can we really drive and, you know, change the channel or do whatever? Can we do a hundred chores at home? I'm famous for that. My husband gets mad at me almost on a regular basis because I start a chore, then I take something to the other room, and then I do, I start lots of chores and never finish any of them. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> we're multitaskers. But because of that, we're missing the power of worship. We need to consciously focus on God with our whole hearts, with our whole minds, and it's, it's each one of us that has to do that in order for us to, to really um, encounter God in a powerful way. Somehow we got here. So once we are here, let's focus and encounter God. So let's turn our attention to singing here for a minute. Um, so we sing, obviously, every single week here, and, and we sing different songs from songs that uh, you might hear on the radio um, to some of the great hymns of the faith that you might have known growing up. And, and perhaps you didn't know this, but every single song that we sing is very intentional here. Um, Ryan and Lorianne have picked it and maybe arm wrestled over it as well. I don't know. Lorianne will probably win, I think. Um, <laughs> But, but they, they pick all, in, in fact, if we do three, four songs in a row, each one of those songs and its placement um, was put there specifically for a reason. So, so talk to us about singing. Okay, well, I love to sing. I don't know if any of you knew that, but it's like in me to sing. And I'm not sure why some of you don't, but, you know, people sing in all kinds of places for all kinds of occasions. You might be aware that people sing at birthdays. Right? Well, earlier in the first service, we had Blanche Rasmussen who turned 80 this week, and so we, we celebrated her birthday with her. But I don't know whose birthday it is. So I don't think Pastor Brian's going to be here later this month for his birthday. So would you all join me in singing happy birthday to Pastor Brian? Are you ready? Ready? Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Brian, happy birthday to you. Are you one? Are you two? <laughs> that was awesome. And I think he's going to have a better uh, birthday celebration because we all joined in. But you know, <laughs> last weekend I encountered something very similar, maybe a little louder, because I was at the U of I, and I heard a thousand people, seriously thousands of people, singing the Vandal Fight song. I don't know if you've encountered something like this, but I had not been to a Vandal game before. So they, got, they sang this, this song out, and when they got to the, the chorus, they shouted and shouted, and it was, it was amazing. They certainly have a passion to declare their love for their team. And they're willing to sing it out and shout it out, and it was loud and impassioned. So, <laughs> why when we come here, are we not as impassioned hmm. and powered in our singing to our God? That's a great question. I mean, as we just proved, we'll sing happy birthday. We'll join with all the crazy people at a football game and, and, and chant to our favorite team. Um, I mean, how many of us have never even just sung in the shower? We all do these things. It's in our nature to sing. Um, but something keeps us from singing in church. Um, maybe it's that we grew up in a, in a very 
traditional church, we see church as more formal, and for whatever reason, the singing, or at least the singing we do here, doesn't fit that somber tone. Maybe we don't think we're good enough singers for God. Maybe we don't think we're good enough singers for the people next to us. <laughs> Maybe the style of music isn't our thing. Maybe we just don't like this song that we're singing right now, whatever it is. Maybe the worship team up on the platform reminds us too much of a concert. Maybe we want to be able to read the music again like in the old hymnals. Or just maybe the distractions from the week are weighing still too heavily on our minds. Um, some of those reasons that I listed off certainly fall on us, um, that, that we need to take a look at those and look at how they're affecting uh, our ability to worship as a congregation. Um, but some of the reasons might just simply mis be misunderstandings or insecurities. Um, and whatever the reason is that we aren't singing, it's really vital to know that we should be singing. The Bible lists over 500 references to singing and over 50 direct commands to sing. There's just simply no doubt about it. God wants to hear us singing. He wants to hear our voices raised to Him in praise and worship. Um, take a look at these. Uh, just a uh, sampling here. Psalm 33.1, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Psalm 96.1-2, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name, and proclaim His salvation day after day. Psalm 81.1, sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Psalm 9.11, sing the praises of the Lord. Proclaim among the nations what He has done. And it's not just Psalms. Psalms are sort of the built-in hymnal of the Bible, right? Um, but it goes beyond that. Isaiah 49, 13, shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. Even the mountains are called to sing. James 5, 13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. In Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Notice none of those and none of the other commands to sing uh, instruct us to sing only if we have a nice voice or only if we're not feeling particularly self-conscious or for the Israelites only if they liked that song that David had written that week. Yeah. <laughs> God commands us to sing, and every single voice matters. Let's go back to that football game. Do you think anyone, as they came in to the stadium, thought, do I have a voice to sing this morning? I don't think so. I think we're asking the wrong question. I think instead of, do I have a voice? I think we should ask, do I have a song? Let's go back to our passage from Ephesians 2 today. Just read along with me the highlighted parts. You were dead in your transgressions and sin, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. For we are God's handiwork. Is that your story this morning? Are you a sinner saved by grace? Have you, been have you been made alive with Christ through God's amazing love and His mercy? Are you aware that there is nothing, nothing that you can do, but it's only by God's grace that you've been saved? And do you believe that God is at work in your journey of faith? If so, that's your song.
and we should sing it with joy. Psalm 511 says, let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice. We need to sing out our story and sing it with passion and sing it with joy. Tom Olson, a pastor um, in Barrington, Illinois, wrote this in his blog. Singing has such a unique way of bringing your heart, soul, mind, and strength together to focus entirely and completely on God. In an age of distraction, singing grabs the attention of all of our senses and focuses us on God. You know, as I mentioned, um, remembering before earlier, um, you know, remembering is an important reason we're here, to constantly remember uh, the story that, uh, that we just had from Ephesians 2. And, and singing is one of the best ways to remember God's story. Um, when, when I was in uh, pursuing my master's degree, I had to take a class in the Hebrew language, which is what the Old Testament was largely written in, and uh, they emphasized memorizing Hebrew which was really bad for me because memorizing things is really hard for me. Um, and I did terrible. I was doing an awful job in, in the class. It, it was a struggle until one of my professors came up to me and said, okay, if you're having a hard time memorizing, try singing it. Sing the things you're trying to memorize. And so he taught me a couple Hebrew children's songs and I was singing Hebrew children's songs around campus, which was awkward for me, probably. Um, but, it, but it worked. It worked. It helps me remember. Um, Jews today even teach their kids um, ma many scripture passages um, by singing. Uh, the Shema is, is an obvious one. Um, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Achat. That's the last time you're going to hear me sing up, up here at least. Um, but, but singing, it, it helps us remember. But we live very distracted lives. And, and so do you think music and singing in this space helps us battle the distractions? I totally do. Um, we can remember things we never thought of if we put them to a melody. How did you learn the ABCs? Or how easy is it for you to um, recall the words, the lyrics to a song from your childhood or your teens, one of those favorite TV jingles? Something that, you know, you were around a lot. And I... The songs that we teach here and sing here at TFRC, they teach us scripture. They remind us of the good news of the gospel. They remind us of God's promises. They remind us of um, his character. These things we need to remember. And there's so much power in a melody. God knows it, and that's why he commands us to sing. Here's a story from Deuteronomy. You may, have, may not even be aware of this story from, between Moses and God. It's from Deuteronomy 31, 19. The Lord said to Moses, now write down this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that they may be, it may be a witness to me against them. God knew that as they entered the land he had promised them, that they would find themselves in a land of plenty and they would forget. They would forget what God had done to bring them to that place. He knew that the song that Moses was about to teach them would draw them back to him and help them to never forget that he was their God. And that's the same God that we come to worship. Right. It's that redundant reminder that Pastor Joe <clears throat> talked about. And it's almost like God knew when, when he uh, 
breathed all of those 500 passages about singing, that music really does have an effect on us. Or perhaps he created us so that music would have an effect on us, right? Assuming the lyrics are theologically sound, um, which we definitely <laughs> seek out, singing can help us engage the lyrics emotionally. Uh, it helps us to engage our mind and soul with God uh, and with his truth. Music can help us even express a whole range of emotions. Uh, music was, was calming for King Saul when David would, would play his harp. Uh, we see throughout the Psalms that song is a, a joy, a, a path to joy, a joyful praise. Um, it can well up from gratitude, as we saw in that uh, Colossians verse earlier, and uh, it can even strengthen us in trials. Yeah, so songs um, can be so powerful. It's not just about the words. When I direct the <clears throat> choir, we spend a lot of time about talking about the power of the lyrics. But it isn't just the words. We take time to talk about the meaning of the story that we're telling and the heart of the song that we're about to sing. When we sing, something unique happens to our spirit. The way a melody soars or the spacing of the words, the repetition, um, the celebration in the tempo or the contemplation if it's a so slow song. When we focus on the truth of the song, the hardness of our hearts and the apathy to engage emotionally falls away. For instance, let's look at the words of a well-known hymn. It is well with my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. Sounds like Dr. Seuss. Yeah, well, it's not. <laughs> those words are repetitive and they're true. If you just read those words, how does that touch your heart? How does it speak to you? But when we sing it, Let's do that. Ready? Y'all know this one, right? So our first note is mm, ready? It is well. It is well with my soul. With my soul. It is well. that first time through the phrase, we didn't, our hearts weren't connected. But there is a peace that only God can give in those pauses, in the repetition. When we swell to the end and say, it is well with my soul, there is power in a united body of believers saying that we trust that our God is with us and our God is for us. So when we are worshiping, um, especially through song, yes, we use our voices to sing, but there's more going on than just using our voices in, in worship songs, right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I know for some, just singing alone is uncomfortable enough, uh, and that's kind of why we're up here. Um, but the Bible does direct us to other forms of worship um, that can help usher us into God's presence or testify publicly to His greatness. And, and I really just want to urge you, um, as we're talking about uh, things that we do with our hands or, or with our bodies during worship, that they're really okay, that this is a place where those things are safe, where those things are accepted. Um, at my last church, the worship leader would open up every service with an invitation to worship as you feel led. And it was just a, simply a freedom 
to let the Holy Spirit lead us uh, as we lift our voices and as that connection is made uh, to, to lift our hands or to clap along or, or to, to be driven to our knees. Um, God isn't asking for worship from a man-made box, right? It's not this is right and this isn't, or this is okay and that's frowned upon. It's not like that. God um, wants us to offer our whole bodies as living sacrifices, uh, and that includes this time when we're singing uh, our praises to him. I, I have struggled uh, with being okay with uh, the physical forms of worship. Um, I grew up in a very traditional church, uh, but, but over time, the Holy Spirit really opened up my heart to see that when we, when we offer everything that we have, including our voices, including our bodies, that, uh, that, that God really is worshiped. Um, so whatever it is, whether it's clapping your hands in time with the beat, um, it doesn't just make it more like a concert like I used to think it did, but in reality, um, we're joining in in another way. So we've joined in with our voices, now we join in with our hands, just like the, the percussionist, the drummer back here. Um, the Israelites did the same thing when the Ark of the Covenant was returned to Jerusalem. First Chronicles tells us, so all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouts, with the sounding of ram's horns, and with cymbals. Those cymbals are percussion. All of Israel was involved uh, with, their, with their voices and with their bodies in the excitement of bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. Uh, there's the lifting of the hands, uh, which to me is just simply a sign of vulnerability and, and openness and dependence on God. Um, we reach out to the only one that can save us. I had a pastor describe at one time, uh, particularly with the lifting of two hands, that it's, it's like a, a small child lifting up to be picked up by his father. And that image stuck with me so much that the first time that I worshiped with both hands in the air after that, uh, I immediately broke into tears. Um, and I w it was so powerful and so overwhelming that I shot one hand down just so the crying would stop and I could get back to singing. Um, and so that imagery still sticks with me, but there's, but there's an emotional piece to it. There's, um, there's a con an extra connection that can be made when we use our bodies. Um, Psalm 63, 4 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Again, it's scriptural. Uh, Psalm 95, 6 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Because when we're open to the leadings of the Holy Spirit, there will be times when He drives us to our knees, and we bow before our Savior. Uh, and, it's some, and sometimes it's just simply all we can muster. You know, um, I don't know if you, if you know this, but when we're worshiping in this room, uh, especially through singing, you have permission to really move the way that God's Spirit let, wants you to move. Like if, if we're in the middle of a song and like the song is just, you just want to get on your knees before God in the song, you have permission to do that. Go ahead. Drop to your knees in the song. And if, and if it's a different kind of song and you just want to raise your hands, you feel like God's leading you to raise your hands, please go ahead and raise your hands. And, you know, there's always that awkwardness of, yeah, but other people are watching me do these things. And I totally understand that. But at the same time, when I'm sitting in, in this room and somebody pops their hands up because they're praising Jesus because the Spirit is moving in them, it moves me too. And so in some sense, when you do that, you're actually leading people around you in worship as well. Mm -hmm. And so when you even get on your knees uh, or, or raise your hands, just know that you're actually helping probably the people around you worship too. So the, the encouragement is go ahead and if you feel led to do something like that, go ahead and use it, go after it, uh, go for it. Um, I am really pumped that uh, Lorianne and Ryan were able to share a little bit with us this morning. Um, don't we have great worship directors? <laughs> Thank you.
All right, this is, this is the final thing here. Uh, is there anything else you guys have to share with us this morning? Yeah, me. <laughs> Go ahead. I got more to say. No, okay. So, as worship leaders and as pastors, our prayer is that this community of faith, as we gather each Sunday and as we sing together, that it will resemble more and more the scene that we see in the book of Revelation. When we will forever lift up undistracted, passionate, unified praise to our God. Imagine this scene this morning. From Revelation 5.11, it says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Singing with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. What if, what if in this very place, every Sunday morning at TFRC when we gather together, we could have that same passion to sing in a loud voice the praises of our God. This week was a tough week for our worship team. A member of our team passed away suddenly. Tasha Meshach was one of the people who helped us worship. She ran the computer back there that gives us the lyrics to our songs. And she helped unite our voices in praise to our God. This very morning, she is with that heavenly throne, worshiping at the feet of Jesus. And as we gather together this morning, as we lift our praises, know that we join with her and with all the saints that have gone before us to lift up a, a loud shout of praise to our God. You know, j just as Lorraine said, um, you know, our communities are uh, just probably shocked and reeling from Tasha's sudden passing. And there, there's, there is certainly a power of when we're in this room together and we're worshiping that somehow we find ourselves at the same, in the same area, in the, like before the same throne that Tasha is, and, and we worship with her. We worship our God. It's a powerful scene. It's what happens here in, in, in this space. It's amazing. Let's pray. God, uh, before we say anything else, God, we, we, we just lift Tasha and Leland and the family up to you. God, uh, Tasha uh, went all out for this community, certainly made it a more vibrant community and, and went in and, and helped with the worship team and um, and we miss her. And so, God, we just imagine um, and, and we know that, that Tasha is with you this morning, um, worshiping you at your throne. And, God, as we, as we think of um, Leland and the family, God, we just pray that you uh, give him your peace that transcends all understanding. And, God, we pray that as a community we support Leland and walk with him. 
and love on him and show him the peace that, that we want him to have so, so dearly. And God, as, as we uh, head into worship this morning, we, we also pray that your spirit move in this room and inspire us, God. We pray that you give us a, a song to sing, like Lorianne said this morning. And we do it all because of the good news of Jesus. We believe it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.